All right, East End Fellowship, good morning. Welcome live from the the basement headquarters of nowhere. It is simply my house. We are we are in a basement. Um, hey, it's good to see everyone. Uh, we are going to be diving into our text this morning. Again, we are reading the Moravian text. Uh, it is an email that you can get every single day dropped straight into your inbox. It's going to have an Old Testament reading. It's going to have a New Testament reading. Uh, it's going to have a watchword, which is like a, a one or two verses, and it's going to have a psalm that you can read as well as a prayer to close the day. So it's uh, it's all right there at your fingertips. I would encourage you to get that dropped into your inbox. You can also, if you're interested, you can get a hard copy as well. Uh, so there you go. Hey, our text from today is going to be Matthew chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 30. One of the things I think that's, I mean, I kind of knew this last week as we were starting this, but one of the things that stood out to me this morning as I was just reading and preparing for this time together is we are, I mean, we're walking through the last the last week of Jesus's life. We are right here in Lent. Um, as of today, I believe we are 19 days away from Easter. Uh, which means that we are, you know, like 16 and a half days away from Good Friday. And so here we are traveling through the last week of Jesus's life um, right now in our in our prayers. And what, what we're recognizing is like, actually, this is this is coinciding right along with where we are in the church calendar. Does it always work that way? Um, it is working that way uh, right now. We are seeing that we this discourse that Jesus has been having with his disciples we had two chapters worth of Jesus uh, really talking about the end of the world, the things that were going to happen. We talked about apocalyptic literature and how uh, apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature is um, deeply metaphorical and it is a combination of all slices of time. So it's, it's talking about the past, it's talking about the present, it's talking about the near future, and it's talking about the end of all futures. Um, and, and Jesus t- helping people understand how to live a life where um, this understanding that like you don't know when when it's all going to come to a close, uh, but we we were reading in our house church last night in First Peter like um, I think it's First Peter four seven the end of all things is near that we are a people who are for two thousand years have lived as if the end of all things is near um, because with with God with His understanding of time that is actually true where the end of all things is always near when you're infinite. That's what it would be like. Uh, We are not going to wax philosophical today on the meaning and the experience of time and the existential realities of that. We are going to dive into our text, though. And so if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 26. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 30. And again, I'm reading from the NIV version. Uh, You can read from whatever version you would like. By the way, I'd like to give a quick shout out. I see you, Elizabeth. That is my my wife who is upstairs and is managing to keep my youngest from just running around and I can hear everything. Lauren Bleem, good to see you. Aisha, always a pleasure. I think you have not missed one yet, so major shout out to you. Uh, Brenda Vickers, Sarah Rockamore, thank you for being here. Kate Johnson, I see that. Thank you for being here. And for all of you who are going to be listening later on the podcast or the replay later, um, thanks for joining in on these spiritual rhythms that we're doing with this time together. Verse 14 of Matthew 26. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? Him meaning Jesus. 
So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not, Lord. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will will be the one who betrays me. The son of man will go just as it was written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely not I, Rabbi. So just like everyone else, Jesus answered, yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks and offered it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forget, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is a this is a powerful passage. I mean, this is a passage that uh, in our in our church we are regularly reading as as people who are taking uh, communion together on a really regular basis. Uh, we oftentimes read from First Corinthians, uh, where Paul is recounting what it is that happened in the Lord's Supper. But it's it's uh, in many ways like word for word what it is that's happening here. The thing that, that I was thinking about this morning, and we've we've talked about this in our church, we've got a definition of love that we use really regularly. And hopefully, if you are you're part of this Facebook uh, live listening or the podcast, uh, you will you'll know what that is. And it's uh, it's just a simple definition: love is fighting for the highest possible good in the life of another, regardless of what it's going to cost you. Love is fighting for the highest possible good in the life of another regardless of what it's going to cost you. Yesterday we talked about how Jesus knew, and he had known for, for quite some time, uh, that the, the end of his life and, and the crucifixion that awaited him, it was coming. Uh, there's, a, there's a passage where it, the, uh, it comments on Jesus' orientation, where it says he set his eyes like flint. He set his face like flint for Jerusalem. Um, and wherever it is that he was at that time, he started making his way to Jerusalem because he knew what was coming and he was not going to stop. Um, and here we are right right at the edge of that now, right at the precipice of, uh, of him being arrested in the crucifixion and all the things that are going to come. And uh, we know from uh, the passages that we're going to be reading in the rest of the week, like this is something that it's not. Uh, this is really difficult for Jesus. Uh, this is something that he's really having to grapple with. And tonight, or in today's passage, what we're seeing is the very personal way in which that affects Jesus. Um, it's his best friend betraying him. Uh, and the, the best friend, we're not, we're not exactly sure what the motives are. Um, because the, 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 the amount that he's given is 30 pieces of silver if you were to translate how much money is that in U.S. dollars today, that's roughly $186. 
So we're not, we're not talking about a lot of money. Um, it, it could be that we, we just don't know what Judas's motivations are. Um, but we do know that what he does is he betrays his best friend. And Jesus, uh, we know, is not surprised by that. So here we are at this meal. Uh, the end is near for him. And they're talking about, he makes a statement like, one of you is going to betray me. And they're shocked. They're just going around the table. Each of the disciples, not me, not me. Not, is it me? No, no, no. Uh, and then finally gets to Judas. And Jesus, he asks, uh, Judas asks Jesus, like, is it me, Rabbi? Is it, is it me, teacher? And Jesus says, yeah, it's you. Uh, the thing that, that, there's a metaphor, and it's a, it's a pretty violent one, but the metaphor that jumped out to me this morning when I was reading it um, is, is Judas has, he has loaded the gun, um, and he has pointed the gun at Jesus, and he has, he has pulled back the hammer on the gun. Uh, but ultimately, this is the thing to understand, Jesus is the one who pulls the trigger. Um, Jesus is, and it's, and it's pointed right at him. Um, he has an, he knows that Judas has done this. He knows uh, where all of this is going to end. And he, he can get out of this if he wants. And th- this is why that, that definition of love is so important. Love is fighting for the highest possible good in the life of another, regardless of what it's going to cost you. It costs him a betrayal. Uh, his best his best friend betrays him. Uh, it, it costs him like unbelievable excruciating pain. It ultimately costs him his life. Uh, the scriptures say that he descends into hell for three days uh, and fights on our behalf. So love is fighting for the highest possible good in life and another, regardless of what it's going to cost you. Um, and brothers and sisters of Easton Fellowship, Jesus thought that you were worth that cost. Jesus thought that that you were worth fighting for. Jesus thought that uh, that that thing, that dream that he had of you in his in his eye before the creation of the world, that that was worth fighting for. The dream that God has had of you, the things that he saw that you were going to do, the person who you were going to become, that that was worth fighting for. And it was worth it was worth pulling the trigger that Judas had locked and loaded and was pointing at Jesus. And Jesus was ultimately the one who was like, we're going to sing a hymn, and then we're going to go to the Mount of Olives, knowing that at the Mount of Olives, the text we're going to hit tomorrow, something's going to happen, and it's, it, it's, going to, it's all spiraling out of control from there. There are a lot of things that we could talk about. We could talk about the significance of covenant today. We could talk about the significance of Passover and how a new covenant starts at the same moment that there is a meal that traditional Jews are going to be keeping that is affirming and living into uh, God's promises for the old covenant uh, and all the deep symbolism of that, uh, we're not going to do that today. I think the simple thing that I want you to know today uh, is that, that Jesus loves you. He loves you. He thought you were worth fighting for, and he will keep fighting for you, that today you are not alone. He has promised to never leave you or forsake you. And his very spirit is within you today. So the watchwords of our day, uh, the first one comes from Psalm 145, 17. It says, the Lord is just in all of his ways and kind in all of his doings. And then from Colossians 1, 9, this is, this is Paul writing. We have not ceased praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding.
So one of the one of the questions that, that we have to ask today is if Jesus is the one who ultimately was willing to fight for us, regardless of what it was co- what it would cost him. So great was his love that we are invited into that same story. Uh, and we are invited to love others uh, to such a degree that it would be quite costly for us in the way that we love them. But we don't know how to do that. And so thinking through Colossians 1.9, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Uh, God's love is far deeper, far wider, and in many ways far more mysterious than what we are accustomed to with human love. And so what, what we need today, if we were going to love those around us well, uh, whether that is physically around us or just digitally around us, um, or even on the phone, the people that we are reaching out to, we need to be filled with God's wisdom so that we can do that. And the good news of Jesus is because um, he allowed his best friend to betray him because Jesus was ultimately the one who pulled that trigger. We, we are able to do that today. We are able to receive the knowledge of God's will as we seek to represent him well in this world that he so loves. This is the our closing prayer for the day. Holy Spirit, we have faith that you are at work in the world, yet sometimes we have trouble recognizing that. Mm. Let me just read that again. Holy Spirit, we have faith that you are at work in the world, Yet sometimes we have trouble recognizing that. Fill us with wisdom and insight so that we might see your movements around us. Amen. Weston Fellowship, thank you for joining me uh, on this edition of Day 9 Morning Prayers. Uh, For those of you watching the replay, thanks for logging in and seeing this on the podcast. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a great night. It's not night. I keep saying night. Um, Man, things are starting to blur together. I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to end the live video. I hope you have a great day. Grace and peace to you.